Do you hate your job? Do you find that you're dreading work, that you have fallen out of love with a job that you once enjoyed and felt fulfillment whenever you were working? If you have, then believe me, you're not alone because according to a survey done by Gallup, 60% of people report being unsatisfied and unhappy at their jobs. That's six out of every 10 people. And this is resulting in every month, millions of people leaving their employers in search of more engagement, more fulfillment, and let's be honest, better money, better pay, right? If you once loved your job, but find yourself daydreaming and fantasizing about quitting, this episode will be helpful because I share some strategies that if you apply them, you just might end up falling in love with your work again. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to Happy Without Medicine. And I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, a medical doctor, therapist, and a fierce advocate for your happiness. My mission here is simple, to help professional women just like you create a life you're excited to wake up to. It's time to make the happiness you feel on the inside match the success others see on the outside. Let's get started. Have you ever heard of the Sunday Scaries? Sometimes they're called the Sunday Blues. So maybe you haven't actually heard of them, but I can guarantee that at some point in your life, in your career, you have experienced the Sunday Scaries. And so what that feels like, what the scaries feel like is you feel anxious and a sense of dread, like you're dreading going into work on Monday. Or maybe like me, you used to work shifts and you had pre-shift scaries. (laughs) For me, it would become pre-night shift scary. So I would spend the whole day leading up into my night shift trying to distract myself from the feeling of anxiety and anticipation and dread of what the night shift had in store for me. So if you are a working woman, especially if you are someone who has a very busy life and work is a big part of your busy life and you work outside of the home or maybe you work from home, but It's not your own business, for example, or it's not your own enterprise. Or maybe even if it is, sometimes thinking about going into work after the end of a holiday or at the end of a weekend can be filled with dreadful anticipation. And maybe you're like me or many of my clients who just take that as part and parcel of what it means to be a professional. And like every warning signal that we receive, we ignore the signs and we just keep pushing through because we don't want to stop and pay attention. We don't have time to stop and pay attention and ask ourselves, hmm, what does it mean that I am feeling short-tempered or I'm irritable, I'm snapping, I'm anxious, I feel my stomach's upset and I feel sad every Sunday night or Monday morning anticipating going back to work. The Sunday scaries are just one of the many symptoms of job dissatisfaction. Other symptoms include pessimism, so asking yourself, what's the point of this anyways? It could look like withdrawal from colleagues or anyone who has anything to do with work. It could also be what the internets are calling now quiet quitting, so doing the bare minimum for you know a myriad of reasons. 
Sometimes it's even decreased performance and decrease in the quality of the work that you're putting out. And in the extreme, you might start to have interpersonal conflict with your colleagues, with your bosses, with clients, without really caring about the ramifications. Now, if you're experiencing any of these symptoms, it's time for you to pay attention. These are warning signs of job dissatisfaction, which I have seen many times eventually lead to burnout, if not addressed quickly. So the practical part of this episode, I'm going to share some strategies that will help to improve your job satisfaction, especially, and this is important, especially if you once loved your job. So let's get into it. The first thing that I want to say is don't quit yet. The pandemic has taught us so many lessons, including the extreme importance of reprioritizing our lives. So keeping the main thing, the main thing, as one of my friends will say, keep the main thing, the main thing. So things like our health, our relationships, reprioritizing such that we are putting those on a higher level than maybe we were doing prior to the pandemic. And This has resulted in what we see now, the great resignation where millions of people have left and continue to do so, by the way, have left their jobs in order to honor their priorities. So this looks like people quitting their jobs to become stay-at-home parents. It looks like people moving to a completely different city or state or province altogether in order to be closer to the people that they love. It looks like For example, like me, switching the trajectory of your career altogether. And of course, many people, like I say, have actually quit their jobs. But before you decide to quit, I will offer that you take a step back and assess whether quitting is even necessary in your situation. I'll use the analogy of a marriage. If things are on the rocks, have you done everything? Have you done everything that you can to stay? I can already hear you saying, yo, Andy, it's not that deep. Why are you comparing a job to a relationship? Remember I said that if you loved your job, if you loved your job, it's different if your job was just a a placeholder or something that you were doing in the meantime. But if you actually loved your job, then you need to think about if leaving and quitting altogether is necessary. Have you done all you can to make it work? Because if you see potential in the growth of your career, if you see potential in the company, if you see potential in the impact that you're having, maybe quitting yet is not the right answer. So let's go to some other things that you can do. So number two, be curious. Ask questions about the way that you're feeling. Assess what has changed, especially like I said, if you once loved the job. Is it a change in company policy and culture? Maybe Before, when you joined, the organization was about the people, the customers, the environment being warm and welcoming and helpful and friendly. But now there's been a change in policy where it's all about the bottom line, the revenue, the profit, and that just doesn't sit right with you anymore. Or is it a new boss that is very different from the old one? Maybe the new person is strictly business and, you know, no smiles. You know, what's the work? What's the output? What are the results? Whereas your old boss and you were BFFs that you could just hang out with and cry with and laugh with and do all those things with. And you're resisting the change to what you have now compared to what you previously had in a boss. Did you move? 
Did your family move to a different location? And so now you're having to commute longer hours to get to and from work every day. Have you been sitting on a project that is draining you and taking a lot out of you? Be curious, assess what's changed. Think back to when you actually loved your work and what were the circumstances around that versus what the circumstances are now. Number three, know your values. And I talk about values all the time because I do believe that they can serve as a guiding light, a North Star, a lighthouse to bring you back on course when you somehow have veered off course, whether it's your veering off or the environment around you just no longer aligning with your values. Your values will give you clues as to why the state of your current work situation is causing dissatisfaction. Continuing with the boss example that I used in the previous point, if one of your core values is recognition and your new boss is the type of person that keeps praise and feedback really close to her chest, then that's some insight for you, right? I'm not getting the feedback and the recognition that I need to stay encouraged and motivated. And so maybe it's a matter of sitting down with your boss and having a meeting and saying, hey, in order to stay encouraged, In order to stay motivated, I need to hear that I'm doing a good job. And so I would appreciate if maybe once every month or once every couple of weeks, we could have a sit down and you could let me know what I'm doing well and what I need to improve. I had a client who did this with her bosses and although she was very nervous about the conversation, that, and of course, amongst other things, have caused her to feel more confident at work. And it's been such a joy to watch this brilliant woman evolve from feeling very uncertain about her position in the company to now really standing on her feet and projecting the confidence that she is 100% worthy of. You might also want to think about creating opportunities at work that are in line with your values. So for example, if community and belonging are one of your values. And since you're now working remotely, you miss that about work. Maybe you can take it upon yourself to create initiatives that engage your colleagues or maybe engage your clients in a way that honors that value of community and belonging for yourself. Maybe security or wealth are some of your core values and the state of the economy is causing you to feel unhappy about your income. It might be time to sit down and ask for a raise and come up with a strategy for asking for a raise. And so knowing your core values is so important because it's intel, it's insight, and you can start to make changes accordingly. By the way, if you don't know what your core values are, be sure to check the show notes because I have a worksheet that makes it really simple for you to narrow down what your core values are. Okay, on to the next point. Point number four, take a sabbatical. I actually have two of my friends who are currently planning a sabbatical. One is planning to go next year and the other is planning to go in a year and a half or so. If your employer allows it, then do it. Take that sabbatical. If you've been working the same job day after day, year after year for several years, your mind, your body, your spirit might want something new. But sometimes it takes going away to travel or to learn something different to rejuvenate you so that you can then come back to work stronger and wiser. And the final point that I want to make is so, so important, and that is to create systems and support at home. So what does that look like? So as a physician, and I think many people do this, we become experts at compartmentalizing. 
So the minute you walk through the double doors of the hospital, you are, you know, work, leave work at work and then vice versa. That is kind of how we train ourselves to survive. But to be honest, as much as we try to compartmentalize, it's impossible to completely separate work and home. I know that there would be times when I would try to push whatever was happening at home. Maybe my child was sick, push it away from my mind. But as I'm working, I would sort of get a bubble up to the surface and I would have to suppress it. So work and home will always intersect and influence each other, especially if you've been working from home, like a lot of us have been. There are two things that I strongly encourage every working mom should have, and those are systems and supports. So I was on a webinar just yesterday, and this therapist, so she owned a practice that had multiple other therapists that worked there and she was sharing how she was literally on her way to the cottage with her family and the administrator of the office called in to say that she was sick and there were other therapists working that day so the office had to stay open and so normally what she would have done was she would have turned the car around and headed to the office to handle the front desk herself but now she had easy to follow systems in place that she could have anyone do. So she made one phone call and told the person where the binder was and that had all the steps to follow when someone came in. What do you do next? And then what do you do? And then what do you do? So it was a process that was easy to follow. In corporate, these are called standard operating procedures or SOPs. And yes, you use them at work, but SOPs are so, so important for your home as well. What is your morning rhythm and routine like? What about after school? What does that rhythm and routine look like? What's your nighttime rhythm? What's the first thing that you do? And then the next, and then the next, and then the next. If you had to work late for some reason and you were stuck in the basement, could someone else in your network, in your support system, step in and take over because you have laid out the step-by-step rhythm for them? Could your kids, depending on their ages, of course, but could they take over and sort themselves out for dinner and put themselves to bed if you happen to be stuck at work? Systems and a support network, so that looks like neighbors, grandparents, friends, people from church, whatever that might look like, having a system that they can follow and having people who can't, who you can call on, takes a mental load off of you so that you're not drained thinking about all the what-ifs happening at home while you're at work because this really takes energy away from your ability to enjoy your work. And so at the end of the day, I think all of us are going to go through cycles where we don't love our jobs. We hate our jobs. We're showing up half days a week or we're dragging our feet and showing up late in the mornings or we are taking multiple mental health days. If this is you, then don't ignore the signs. Don't ignore the signs. Doesn't mean that you have to quit. Maybe, especially if you are in a very unhealthy work environment, but maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe one of these five tips that I've shared will be helpful for you in re-strategizing, reorganizing, creating systems, having conversations that will help you fall in love with your work again. And so if you found this episode helpful, share it. Share it with your colleagues, share it with your friends, your sister, your neighbors. 
because we all know at least one person who is struggling with enjoying their work and it's taking a toll on other areas of their lives. So be sure to share it. Okay. And to end this episode with a quote, this quote is from English author Arnold Bennett. And he said, any change, even a change for the better is always accompanied by drawbacks and discomforts. So as you take steps towards falling in love with work again, know that you will have some discomforts and some drawbacks, but know that those are just growing pains required to create the work that you are excited to wake up to and not dreading every Sunday morning. Until next time, remember that I'm here always fiercely advocating for your happiness. Bye. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Yuandi, on the Happy Without Medicine podcast this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcast because it helps Happy Without Medicine pop up when other women are searching for ways to find their happiness again. And visit happywithoutmedicine.com to view the complete show notes and other resources mentioned in today's episode. I'll catch you next time.